0: Welcome to The War. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. While many actors in Hollywood played the roles of heroes, Basil Rathbone actually was one. He served Great Britain in the First World War and won the military cross. Of course, it's somewhat ironic... uh, that most of his early Hollywood career was defined by playing villains until he was cast in the role of Sherlock Holmes in 1939. The first two films that were made for Fox were uh, period pieces, uh, The Hound of the Baskervilles and The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, set in uh, Victorian times. and. He and uh, co-star Nigel Bruce began a series of radio programs, 20 and 22 week series, in which they would star in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. And Rathbone uh, really at first enjoyed this uh, change. Indeed, we uh, on the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio we have the last episode of. Uh, the 1939-40 series where he talks about how pleased he was with the role. This would change by the end of his run as Sherlock Holmes feeling that he'd once again been top cast um, and also being somewhat tired of the character. Part of the reason for this burnout was that the Sherlock Holmes films were one of those things seen as very helpful to allied morale, and creating this sense of camaraderie and respect for Great Britain. This was one of many reasons why a new series of Sherlock Holmes films were commissioned at Universal. Uh, they were not period pieces, but set in the modern era. There were two reasons for that. First, budgetary constraints wouldn't allow more uh, Victorian period pieces, which are, always a bit expensive during wartime, but also to actually bring Sherlock Holmes into the war. And the first uh, three films, The Voice of Terror, Sherlock Holmes and the Secret Weapon, and Sherlock Holmes in Washington, all dealt with the war and are are quite enjoyable if you enjoy patriotic suspense films. But still, the, the rest of the films in the series were seen as uh, important for the reason stated, as so was the radio program, which returned and ran year-round. And today's episode was nearing an end of almost two straight years every week making Sherlock Holmes radio programs, while at the same time generally making two to three Sherlock Holmes movies a year. Today's episode was written prior, uh, uh prior to V.E. Day, I think pretty obviously, even though it was performed after it. Uh, and I think you, you will see the clear influence why. And, uh, the radio program, I should say, unlike the, uh, movies, uh, stuck to the, uh, Victorian and Edwardian, uh, periods for Sherlock Holmes. But as today's show illustrates, uh, It's very possible to, even in that format, make a point about the past. And we also see a little bit of the uh, continued rehabilitation of uh, World War I. So, uh, without any further ado, here now is uh, today's episode. It's the New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes from May the 14th of 1945. And the title is, On the Flanders.
1: This episode from the life of Sherlock Holmes will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. From the stage of the Paramount Theater in Hollywood, Petrie Wine brings you Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invite you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us about another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. You know something? If right now it were possible for me to ask every one of you what you had for dinner this evening, I'll bet a good many of you would say chicken. Chicken is an all-American favorite. But boy, you just haven't tasted chicken till you've tried it together with a glass of well-chilled Petri California Sauterne. Petri Sauterne is a perfect mealtime wine, just made to go with chicken. That Petri Sauterne is a white wine, delicate in color, and mmm, mmm, what a flavor. A flavor that comes right from the heart of luscious, sun-ripened grapes. You can just taste those wonderful grapes. And I'll tell you something, that Petri Sauterne is pretty much on the terrific side when served with fish or any kind of seafood, too, that's a fact. But say, whenever you serve that Petri Sauterne, remember you can serve it proudly. Because the name Petri is the proudest name in the history of American wines. And now for our weekly doctor's appointment. Let's knock on his library door and see if... There's no point in doing that, Mr. Slattery. I'm right behind you. Hello, Dr. Watson. Don't tell me you've been stalking me.
2: No, my boy. I was on the patio and I heard your footsteps, so I thought that I'd, I'd come in and fetch you. Let's go back and sit out there, shall we? It's, it's a beautiful
1: evening. That's fine with me, Doctor.
2: Ah, here we are. Now settle yourself down in a chair and, and light a cigarette, if you have one. And I'll get on with my story.
1: Last week, you told us it concerned an adventure that you and Sherlock Holmes had in Flanders during the First World War. That's right, Mr. Sattery, it did. I thought that you and the great man had retired at that period.
2: We had, my boy, but it was only natural that as soon as the war broke out, we both offered our services in any capacity that might help
1: our country. Of course, and how did tonight's story begin, Doctor? It was in the winter
2: of that first year. Things weren't going very well for the Allies. The Germans were advancing on Paris, and the picture was looking very black. It was just 24 hours before the famous Battle of the Marne began, the battle that changed the early course of the war, when Holmes told me that we had to go up to the front lines on a secret mission. We'd been in Paris for several weeks, where Holmes had just solved the case of the missing aide I was anxious to get back to England and my work in the war hospitals, but of course this new summons was in the nature of a command. And so, late on a rainy September afternoon, Holmes and I, with the boom of gunfire in our ears, found ourselves in the front seat of a staff car, sloshing and jolting its way towards the battlefield.
3: Am I driving too fast for you, gentlemen? No,
2: Sergeant, not at all. No, no, you're doing a splendid job. Ooh, my man, look out, considering the state of the road. Thank you, sir. uh Hello? The gunfire is getting nearer, Holmes.
3: Yes, old fellow. I imagine we haven't much further to go, have we, Sergeant? No, sir, we're nearly there.
2: Do you notice the two civilians in the, in the back seat, Holmes?
3: Yes. some woman and a distinguished looking man several years her senior.
2: I wonder who they are.
3: I'll tell you. He's a Shakespearean actor of some note. Right. Though he never achieved the fame to which he thinks he's entitled. I shouldn't be at all surprised if he feels that he's been slighted in not receiving a knighthood.
2: But, Holmes, that's amazing. How can you possibly deduce all that from just looking at the man as we got into the car?
3: Elementary, my dear fellow, I didn't deduce it. We saw him twice last year in the London Theatre, if you remember. What? His
2: name is Maitland Morris.
3: As for his biography, he's a friend of my brother, Mycroft's. He told me about him.
2: Uh, what do you suppose he's doing up here near the front line?
3: His brother is General Sir Stanley Morris. He was in command of this particular front, and it would seem reasonable to presume that his... brother has come up here to give a performance for the front line troops. Uh, I suppose this hut is as far as we can drive, Sergeant. On Freud so, sir. We're four miles from the front line now. You'll have to clear your papers here. Uh, see that ruined farmhouse there, sir.
2: Yes, sergeant. Is that the general's headquarters? Yes, sir. Come on, Watson. Good Lord, Lord, it's pelting with rain. Yeah, let's make a dash for it.
3: Oh, who goes there?
2: Friend. Give
3: the password. Saint Crispin. Pass friends and show
0: your papers.
2: How did you know the password, Holmes? I was given it before
3: we left Paris, old chap. Oh,
2: Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, isn't it? Yes, Captain. I'm Captain Maxwell, uh,
3: General Morris's aide-de-camp. He asked me to escort you up to his headquarters. Uh, By the way, weren't Maitland Morris and his wife in the car with you? Yes, they're just behind us. Oh, splendid. I'm afraid I'll have to ask to see your papers. Yes, of course. Here's here's my permit, Captain Maxwell.
1: Thank you. I know you both, of course, but we can't afford to take any chances when they're this close to
3: the enemy lines. see
1: oh yeah yeah, yes that's fine doctor everything's
3: in order all right yours please mr holmes Uh, here you are thanks oh who goes there friend there's the the rescue party now oh good this is quite in order mr holmes oh oh, there you are captain maxwell hello sir hello mrs morris
4: how are you captain macwell
3: well you've both met mr sherlock holmes and dr watson i suppose well no we haven't even though we drove up in the same car natural reserve of us britishers i suppose how are you mr holmes how do you do sir i know your brother mycroft very well uh, how are you doctor
2: i'm glad to meet you mr morris i saw you a couple of times in the theater last year and enjoyed your performances very much oh
3: thank you sir well then you
2: must know my wife my leading lady how do you do gentlemen how very do you do mr
3: you. morris uh, can i see your papers mr morris uh, just a matter of form you oh, understand yes
2: yes sir. of course of course uh, mrs morris i presume you and your husband are going to give a performance tonight for the men going up the front line
4: yes doctor we're very flattered They've asked us to do some Shakespearean things. Oh, yeah. Although I should have thought something a little lighter would have been more appropriate, the general, he's Maitland's brother, you know, seemed to think differently.
3: Well, my dear, show Captain Maxwell your papers. Then we can all go along and see my brother Stanley.
4: Very well, Maitland.
3: Mr. Morris, I shall look forward to hearing your reading of Shakespeare's St. Crispin speech from Henry V tonight. Well, bless my soul, Holmes. How did you know I was planning to do it? Well, the setting is so perfect and the time so appropriate, I can't conceive an English actor who could resist the temptation. Oh, (laughs) I... I noticed that your brother appreciated the fact in naming
2: today's password.
3: Yes, it's amazingly appropriate. You know, it's almost 500 years ago to the day that the Battle of Agincourt took place.
2: Well, let's hope that the results of the forthcoming battle will be equally successful for you. Yes, indeed. Oh, by the way, Holmes, this will probably
3: seem rather silly to you, but I'm an inveterate autograph collector, and I have my book here with me. I, I wonder if you'd mind signing I'd be very glad to, Mr. Morris. Give me a pen, you, Watson.
2: Uh-huh.
3: Here we are, Holmes. You'll find yourself among quite distinguished company in that <laughs> book, sir. So I see. And Patty, Crown Prince of Norway. Hello, oh, no. Field Marshal von Toclitz. Oh, yes. He was one of my admirers when I played in Munich before the war. I suppose now that our countries are fighting, I should tear that page out. Do you know, I cannot help but feel that art and the appreciation of art are independent of national hatred. Quite so, sir. I myself still have a medal presented to me by the University of Leipzig for some trifling services. There you are, Mr. Morris. Oh, thank you very much, Mr. Holmes.
2: A notable addition to my collection. Uh, I shall be very glad to sign your book for you, Mr. Morris, if you'd like me to. Oh, that's very kind of you, Doctor. Oh, Captain Maxwell, oh, oh, oh. if our permits are all in order, don't you think we should be moving along?
1: It's uh, Just what I was going to suggest myself. Uh, I'll take you all straight over to General Morris's headquarters. General Morris, uh, May I introduce
3: Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson? How do you do, sir? How are you, General? Oh, how do you do? Uh, know a lot about you. Uh, long way from Baker Street, isn't it? Yes, indeed, sir. <laughs> now, where's that brother of mine? Ah, oh, there you are, Maitland. Uh, Cynthia. Uh, how nice to see you both. Oh,
4: it's good to see you again, Stanley. Hello
3: there, Stanley. Hmm, the men will be glad you arrived. They're looking forward to your show tonight. <laughs> We're very flattered that they want to hear us do some Shakespeare. Oh, rubbish, old boy. With you and Cynthia up there on the platform, you could read the telephone book and they'd love you. Oh, very
2: kind. (laughs) By the way,
3: you'll find the stage very primitive. Just a few trestles and a large tent and a curtain made of army blankets. And your dressing room will be even worse.
4: Oh, don't worry about our comfort, Stanley. As long as we cheer the boys up, that's the important thing.
3: Yes, of course. By the way, what program do you have mapped out for us? Well, I thought we'd have two shows. Uh, the tent's not large enough to hold everybody at once. Anybody, anyway. Uh, uh, we have to keep up an alert all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, think you can manage two uh, separate shows? Oh, of course I can, Stanley. I may look old, but I don't feel it. <laughs> you don't even look at your scoundrel. <laughs> Thank you. Perhaps we can take a look at the stage and equipment, eh? Oh, certainly. Uh, Captain Maxwell, uh, take them over to the tent and show them what the facilities are, will you? Right, sir. Uh, will you follow me? Oh, yes, of course see you later stanley come along my dear all right i'm glad you're here Holmes. i'm sure i can speak quite freely in front of dr watson oh yes with perfect freedom sir he's my colleague and he's an old army man himself
2: really what regiment Dublin? The fifth northumberland Fusiliers, sir later attached to the boxers in afghanistan and, and wounded in, in the battle of mainline really <laughs> then i'm sure i can speak freely in well, front of you <laughs> um, Holmes, <laughs> uh,
3: you know why you're up here so near the front line, don't you? I have a very shrewd suspicion, sir. Yeah, I thought you had. That's why I asked for you to be sent here. You asked for me to be sent here, General. Yes, I I think I understand. Well, I wish I did. Uh, you will, Doctor, in due time. In the meanwhile, gentlemen, I'll have an orderly show you to your quarters. Thank you, sir. And, uh, Holmes, uh, take a look around, will you? And keep your ears open. Where comparatively a little distance from
2: the German front lines, and
3: yet there's a very puzzling silence just now. Yes, I
2: noticed that, sir. And half an hour ago on our way up, there was quite a lot of shilling. Exactly.
3: It's unnatural and rather frightening at a time like this. You see, we're attacking at dawn. The enemy might be trying to infiltrate spies, and the whole success of this battle depends on a surprise attack. I quite understand, sir. Come on, Watson. (laughs)
2: performance starts in a few minutes, you know. They're all there waiting. Why are we tramping about out here in the mud in the rain? I
3: thought a pipe or two in the open air would clear our brains.
2: Yes, a pipe in the open air is one thing, but a pipe in a downpour of rain is another. Was it raining? Oh, didn't even notice it. I was listening to the
3: silence. What do you mean? Thousands upon thousands of Germans, armed Germans, full of a blind fanatical hatred and desire to kill, are crouched in trenches only a mile or two from here. Surrounding us are an equal number of English boys, also armed. And with the will, if not the desire, to fight. Because they know their cause is the cause of freedom and justice. All these thousands poised, ready to pounce on each other and fight to the death. And yet, beyond that patter of rain, there isn't a, isn't a sound to break the stillness of a September evening. Strange world we live in, old chap.
2: You're being unusually rhetorical, Holmes.
3: Yes, I am, aren't I? Let's be a little more practical, shall we? I wonder what is wrong with the actors tonight.
2: Act? oh Why do you ask that? Well, a
3: little while ago I noticed Mrs. Morris in a great state of excitement going towards the farmhouse where the general is. Then she went back to her own quarters, and now she seems to be headed in our direction. Is anything wrong, Mrs. Morris?
4: It's Maitland.
3: What's wrong with him, madam?
4: He disappeared.
3: Disappeared? What's happened?
4: We were in the tent together, making up for our performance. When an orderly came in with a message. Maitland said it was from his brother. Slipped on a raincoat and went out, seeing me back in a few moments. I waited and waited. And after a while I got worried and I went over to see the general myself. He said that he'd sent no message. And that he hadn't seen any sign of Maitland. Good Lord,
2: what, what can have happened
3: to him?
4: I don't know, Doctor, but I'm frightened. What shall I do, Mr. Holmes?
3: You're a brave woman, Mrs. Morris.
4: Brave? I don't know, Mr. Holmes. Why?
3: Because the show must go on. I shall take your husband's place, but Holmes. Something's happened to Maitland. He's in danger. He now, true, be... Watson, true. Huh? But a thousand men inside that tent are in mortal danger too. Tomorrow morning, many of them may be corpses on the fields of Flanders. But tonight, they've been promised a show. Do you think that you can do it, Holmes? Oh, I think I can with the help of Mrs. Morris. I can't do it, Mr. Holmes. You can, Mrs. Morris, and you will. If only to uphold that great tradition of the theatre, that the show must go on. <laughs>
1: the rest of Dr. Watson's story in just a few seconds. Time I'd like to take to tell you that if you've got a butcher who has meat and you've got the points to get that meat, don't forget to bring home a bottle of Petri California Burgundy. Tell you why. That Petri Burgundy is a rich red mealtime wine that's wonderful with any meat or meat dish. That's a fact. Petri Burgundy can make a banquet out of a hamburger. And boy, Petri Burgundy and old-fashioned Irish stew are bosom companions. Just get yourself some Petri Burgundy and share it with your family. Petrie Burgundy is the best friend a good meal ever had. And now, back to tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure. It is just before the Battle of the Marne in the First World War, and Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson are at headquarters a few miles behind the frontline trenches. Famous Shakespearean actor who was to give a performance for the troops has mysteriously disappeared, and the great detective has taken his place at the last minute. As we rejoin our story, Sherlock Holmes, alone on the improvised stage, is delivering a Shakespearean speech before a spellbound audience. This happy breed of men, this
3: little world, this precious stone set in a silver sea, which serves it in the office of a wall or as a moat defensive to a house against the envy of less happier lands, this blessed plot. This earth, this realm, this
2: England. Holmes, that shot, are you all right? Yes, old
3: chap. Fortunately, I started to leave the stage as the shot was fired. The bullet just missed me. I heard it splinter some wood nearby. But
2: who on earth would want to shoot you?
3: That's what we've got to find out, though I think it's more likely that the shot was intended for me. It was not intended for me, but for Maitland Morris. The man for whom i'm substituting
2: well even so who'd want to shoot him
3: oh don't ask me so many questions old fellow let's see what clues we can find now the shot was fired from outside the tent from behind me yes look there see
2: the hole in the tent there by jove yes. the footlights would outline your shadow on the back of the tent whoever it must have must have, must have fired at your silhouette the question is where did the
3: bullet embed itself aha uh-huh. look here watson we got a pen knife yeah, wait a minute here I this shouldn't be hard to extract look at this splintered tent pole a minute there we are excellent very interesting
2: what's so interesting about it just a revolver bullet isn't it no
3: it it isn't Watson it's fired from just a revolver bullet this bullet was fired from a German Luger pistol
2: a German pistol there must have been a spy here behind our lines
3: that's a reasonable enough assumption yes we may be sure that No English soldier would carry such a weapon and face inspection. Come on, I want to talk to Mrs. Morris. Mrs. Morris, I want you to be very frank with me.
4: But of course, Mr. Holmes.
3: You know why your husband's missing, don't you?
4: No, no, I don't. Have you found out anything? Come, come,
3: Adam. Why keep up this pretense any longer? I know that your husband is a spy or at least a... A great sympathizer with the German cause. The general's brother, a spy?
2: Good Lord.
3: How
4: dare you say that?
3: Because it's true. Foreign office have been suspicious of his sympathies for some time. His own brother knew it. That's why he asked to have me sent up here to keep an eye on him during his visit.
4: It is true. Why should I keep up the pretense any longer? You see, Maitland was a disciple of Stuart Houston Chamberlain. Oh, who was this
2: Stuart... Houston Chamberlain.
3: An Englishman who married one of Richard Wagner's daughters and became a German citizen and an arch-enemy of England.
4: i tried to dissuade Maitland. I implored him to consider his British heritage, his brother's name, and mine. But Maitland was a strange man. His life was one of frustration and envy.
3: Envy of his brother, I suppose. Yes.
4: When Stanley was knighted, it it hurt Maitland terribly. He said it was typical if the English would knight a soldier and yet leave a great artist like himself unrecognized. In Berlin, they really understood and rewarded the artist.
2: Well, if the authorities knew that, it's amazing they allowed him to come so close to the front lines at a time like this.
4: Oh, it was at the General's request. He wanted to plead with my husband to warn him that his secret was known. And now Maitland's gone over to the German lines. Oh, it's terrible. It's worse than
2: that. It's, it's disastrous. He can give them information. This is the strength of our, our troops here. He knows the password. He might even know the hour the attack is time to start. How did your husband
3: expect to enter the German lines in safety, Mrs. Morris?
4: He speaks fluent German, Mr. Holmes i fancy the autograph book he was carrying containing the signature of field marshal von tocknitz with in reality his pass through the german lines
3: you've told the general that his brother was gone of course
4: i haven't been able to he moved up to the front line position immediately after the first performance though i had warned him what i thought maitland was planning to do i think he intended to give his performance first then cross the lines immediately afterwards but something must have made him change his mind perhaps he suspected i'd warned the general Anyhow, as you know, when I got back to our quarters, he'd gone.
2: Did he leave any note, madam?
4: Yes, he did. Here it is.
2: Thank you.
3: I have gone, my dear. Try and understand and forgive if you can. You wouldn't come with me, and so I'm taking what is left of my heart, my hopes, where they belong, among the friends that understand and appreciate me. It is something stronger than love and blood and country that makes me do this. It is something dearer to me than life itself dearer to me than life itself. Oh, how
4: could he? How could he? The shame of this will kill poor Stanley. Mr. Holmes, will you break the news to him? I know it's cowardly of me, but I just can't tell him myself.
3: Don't worry, Mrs. Morris. I'll tell him. Dr. Watson and I will ask Cap- Captain Maxwell to escort us to the General's frontline headquarters. In the meantime, try and keep calm. We'll tell him. <laughs> You will wait in the dugout mr holmes i'll tell the general that you're here thank you and be sure to let him know the urgency of the matter yes sir
2: holmes this is a dreadful business. yes
3: it is watson though if my plans work out correctly i think the success of tomorrow's battle may not be
2: imperiled what plan Shh. listen you know holmes a strange silence from the german line since we came here Might be accounted for by the fact that they knew Maitland was making his getaway. They wouldn't want to risk wounding such a valuable spy. Quite possibly. What I still don't understand is who shot at you with a German pistol and why. You're
3: being very dense, old fellow. Surely it's obvious that... Here comes General Morris now.
2: Poor devil. This is going to be a dreadful shock to him.
3: Hello, Holmes. Uh, Dr. Watson. General Morris, I'm afraid that I've bad news for you. Your brother has gone over to the German lines. Maitland did go there i should have put him under an armed guard as soon as he came here but but i thought i could reason with him appeal to his sense of honor instead of which you tried to shoot him sir but uh, fortunately for me you missed you see i took his place at the first performance but that shot was fired from a german pistol true that was when i first knew the general had fired the shot
2: but i still don't see how you could now only a high-ranking officer
3: not subject to inspection could carry a non-regulation firearm you're an old army man you should know that in any case, you'll observe that the general carries a Luger at his waist. Great heavens, Holmes. Uh, I thought I was firing at Maitland. Uh, I had no idea that that edge was you.
2: You intended to kill your own brother, sir? Yes.
3: And I'm sorry I failed. Uh, I'd rather see my brother dead than alive and a traitor to mm. his country. But now he he's safely on the German lines. Heaven knows what secrets he may be imparting. Uh, one thing we can be certain... Uh, a chance of a surprise attack in the morning is gone possibly not sir oh what do you mean you see i took the liberty of altering your brother's credentials quite extensively oh i knew of his german sympathies my craft had given me a great deal of information about him and so i took it on myself to decide that it was unsafe to allow him so near the enemy lines with his own identification on him well what did you do Holmes? i took the liberty sir of stealing his autograph book the one containing the magical signature of field marshal von Tocnitz. i have it in my pocket now i think we shall find within its pages a code Concealed in the various autographs, giving valuable information to the enemy. Good Lord. I also switched uh, military permits on him. I felt that in the event that he did go over to the German lines, his welcome might be less cordial if they were under the impression that they'd uh, captured Sherlock Holmes. To make that identification doubly sure, I also slipped in his pocket a slight souvenir of my own.
2: Why, Joe Holmes, you mean that medal that was presented to you by the University of Leipzig? Exactly, old fellow. (laughs) I no longer wish to uh,
3: own a decoration given me by a country of barbarians, and it seemed a rather neat and effective way of returning it to them so the
2: germans will think they've captured Sherlock Holmes yes
3: sir and unless I'm much mistaken he'll receive very short shrift of their hands
2: yes I hate you
3: there's your answer sir I'm sorry Well, don't be sorry Holmes it's better that way now his secret can die with him excuse me sir Uh, uh, yes Maxwell what is it would it be in order for me to return to headquarters now
1: sir it's very nearly time for the second performance, and I've still been unable to trace the whereabouts of your brother.
3: Well, my brother will not be acting tonight, I'm afraid. Holmes, I wonder if I might ask you to take his place once again. If you want me to, General. I do. Maitland had planned to do the St. Crispin speech from Henry V. Uh, he knew how much I loved it. I realize that, sir. When I was told the password up here.
2: Well, can you remember the speech,
3: Holmes? Oh, I think so. At any rate, I can try. Then do it for me, my dear fellow, will you? For me. I'll be very proud to do it, General. Goodbye and good luck. Thank you, Holmes. Captain Maxwell, uh, take them back to headquarters, will you? Uh, the men will be waiting for the performance. And Crispin, Christian shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world, but we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be he ne'er so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England now abed shall think themselves accursed they were not here. And hold their manhoods cheap, while any speaks that fought with us upon St. Crispian's Day.
1: Doctor, that was a bit of an exciting adventure. You know, well, I, I can still remember that awful feeling I had when
2: I heard the shot in the tent and realized someone had
1: tried to kill Holmes. He did have a narrow escape, oh, didn't well, he? Well, Holmes always said there
2: was no such thing as a narrow escape. He said you either escaped or you didn't. If you did, well, why worry? And if you didn't, uh, you couldn't worry. So what?
1: <laughs> Quite a philosophy. I'd uh, like to discuss it with you further. Uh, over a, a, a bottle of wine? Uh, how else? Uh, What kind of wine? Uh, naturally. Uh, Uh, naturally. uh, You couldn't ask for a more delicious wine than Petri. That's because the Petri family knows how to make good wine. They ought to. They've been making fine wine ever since they started the Petri business way back in the 1800s. And because the business has always been family-owned and operated, well, they've been able to hand on from father to son, from father to son, all they've ever learned about the art of turning luscious grapes into fragrant, delicious wine. That's why, no matter what type Petri wine you buy for any occasion, you can be sure it's good wine because Petri took time to bring you good wine. And now, Dr. Watson, how's about giving us a clue to next week's Sherlock Holmes? Well, adventure?
2: next week, Mr. Clattery, I'm going to tell you in a most unusual adventure in which Holmes and I are trapped in an airtight metal chamber. Our only companion being a murdered scientist.
1: Well, sounds like a story we don't want to miss, Doctor. See you next week. Yes, oh, just a second, Mr.
2: Before we go, I, I just want to tell our listeners that tonight we're broadcasting from the stage of the Paramount Theatre here in Hollywood on behalf of the 7th Wall-Owned Drive. The ticket of admission to the theatre was a war bond. I'm mentioning this to remind you, our friends, that you have an important part to play in making the 7th wall owner a success. Buy more and buy bigger bonds than ever before. They are needed to pay for new super forts, new jet-propelled fighters, newer and bigger weapons to lick Japan. Remember, in spite of the magnificent achievements of our forces in the Pacific, the Japanese war has just begun. So let's go all out for the mighty seventh war
1: Sherlock Holmes adventure is written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and is based on an incident in the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Adventures of the Blanched Soldier. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station.
3: Oh, the Petri family took the time to bring you such good wine. So when you eat and when you cook, remember Petri Wine. To make good
1: food taste better,
3: remember... Pet, Pet, Petri
1: This is Jack Slattery saying good night for the Petrie family. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.
0: That will do it for today. If you uh, have a comment, email me box13 at greatdetectives.net. I welcome your story or that of loved ones who served during World War II. Ken Curlin provides our opening theme music, KenKerlin.com. I am your host, Adam Graham. This uh, series is provided as a service of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, GreatDetectives.net.